Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today we bring back Dr. Stephen Harefield to discuss the characteristics of what makes a good Jedi. The Japanese samurai word Jedi is adopted for the Star Wars movie series, which many Buddhists, Zen, and Hindu monks believe is a depiction of humanity's ancient Star Wars past as written in our folklores, which led to Earth being seated as the new multicultural experiment and also as potentially a planet for refugees of the intergalactic Multiversal Wars. So with that, Dr. Stephen Hayfield, welcome back to Merkava Chakras. It's going to be a fun topic. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. I always get a kick out of that. A lot of people don't even realize that the word actually originated out of the ancient samurai who were known as warriors, but they were much more than that. They understood themselves totally. And they knew that life was transitory in the first place. And mm-hmm. they were great lovers of freedom, so to speak. And the Jedi that they portray in Star Wars may be an ancient version of what we are about to become again um, through the events of life. So with that being said, Jedis are alive and well on planet Earth. Yes, they are. Well, you know, this is the follow-up to my first interview with you. So please, everyone, see the show description for the link to watch part one with Dr. Stephen Harefield, which we do cover a very popular warrior monk and healer, Yeshua Ben Yosef. So a little background on Dr. Stephen Harefield is that Uh, His book, A Metaphysical Interpretation of the Bible, is required reading for a doctorate degree at the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You are also one of the few Westerners allowed to read the Sanskrit scrolls at Yeshua Ben Yosef's Jesus's Childhood Buddhist Monastery in Kashmir, India, to verify that his missing 18 years we're at his Buddhist monastery learning metaphysics. So, um, Dr. Harefield, is there anything else that you want to add to your background for where you garnered your metaphysic knowledge to enlighten us about becoming Jedis? 
Well, um, actually, I can go all the way. I'm a combat veteran out of Vietnam. And I remember an event which, actually, I would have to say my entire life has been devoted to this journey of metaphysics, which I didn't know at the time. But there was a really fierce fight going on. And we were all pinned down. And it was like something spoke to me. And I, at the time, had no idea what that was. And it kept saying, you will do this. And then, for lack of a better way to put it, something took over me. And I began to move. Um, and from what I heard, it was through an insane situation is just the way that I'll put it. But it kept telling me where to go, when to move, when to stop, when to go. And anyway, we obviously, I'm still sitting here, um, made it out of there that day. And ever since that time, when I would attempt to explain to people that it wasn't me that did what they saw, and then after I got out of the military, I did become a monk in Northern India, and I did read those scrolls. But before that, I began to understand what that one event was all about. And it's what we are all about. It's an ancient technique of just being totally centered in yourself, being in implicit observation and seeing everything that's going on, and the odd thing is at the same time. And since that time, that event in my daily life are very similar. After having studied with my teachers in the Far East and people that I encounter in life along the way, that we are all to a great degree masters. We follow and limit ourselves through the idea of belief. Belief is a very rigid thing. And to a Jedi, no. They believe in, in nothing, and yet they accept everything just for what it is. The mind is an amazing thing, but a lot of people don't realize, Van Gogh, is that the human body is where the finite and the infinite meet. Even if we look at the ancient interpretation of another very simple word other than Jedi, it's the word human. Most of us have no idea what that word even implies or even means. Hue stands for light or energy, and man stands for form. So anywhere in the biblical text that you see the word man, and it is everywhere, it is only talking about form. Some people inhabit the feminine form, such as yourself, and some of us inhabit the masculine form. And whether you listeners believe in reincarnation or not, it's totally irrelevant to me because I know that it's real. And I had another example which proved it to me anyway. What happened? Uh, well, I was in a meditation, a very specific one, which I teach. 
And all of a sudden, I, when I started the meditation, it was probably uh, 3.30 to 4 in the afternoon. It was late in the day, and the sun had begun to kind of go down. And when I came out of the meditation, the sun was actually coming up. So for 14 straight hours, I was probably in the deepest meditation that I'd ever been in. And during that, I was seeing flashes and glimmers of different periods of recorded history. And its history is not quite accurate. But What were some of the more profound images that you saw in meditation? Well, that's where that's actually where I'm going. What I oh. noticed, uh, lovely one, is is that I recognized me. I was in. I was seeing my past lives, the ones that were significant, the ones that had great meaning. But the thing I noticed was is that our physical bodies. This is not about physical evolution. What I saw was how my soul grew and understood uh, its own self. And then each lifetime, some of the lifetimes, I came in as a woman, just as you've been in as a man. Why do we do that? That's simple. It's to help us be totally balanced in the two dynamics, the hue part of the word human, the energy, and the man part or the form consists of masculine and feminine dynamics. Even if you look at hue and man, hue is feminine, man is male, literally. And it's those two things united, which is what I saw was the process of lives or life is all about, is making those two ideas more a unified thing and not just human. We rely on logic. The soul could care less about logic. It really could because mm-hmm. it doesn't need it. We use logic for a three-dimensional world. Without logic, you couldn't even walk through a forest because if you did, you'd be tasting every tree after you bumped into it because you wouldn't be able to distinguish the open space between the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's if you didn't have logic. So logic serves its function as far as three-dimensional reality goes. And as monks, and through those circumstances, they teach how to totally train the mind, which is where the key to the Jedi is. If you are doing something and you're thinking about last week, you're not a Jedi at all. One of the other delusions and illusions of life is the sense or the idea of duality, which is a bunch of baloney. Logic requires duality. Duality is left, right, right, wrong, up, down, uh, this way, that way, male, female. Um, I like it. I don't like it. And we can go in a gazillion different ways with that. But even if you look at the idea of the past and the present moment, which is the only place where your body can be, That's duality. No one can be concentrating and thinking of the past and historical experience and be in the present at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the greatest event to learn as a monk is that, as I was taught. And in fact, in the movie The Last Samurai, the young uh, samurai said to Tom Cruise when he was being taught how to sword fight, The young monk looked at him and said, you have too many minds. And Cruz said, what? 
he said, you have too many minds, meaning he had too many thoughts. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't be a Jedi because of that. Mm-hmm. And until we train the mind and learn that we can train the mind, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be in a constant war with yourself until whatever. But when you see the progression of your lives, like it, in fact, I've been here uh, 1,176 times. That's a lot. But in all of those, I've been a warrior, which is why I've been here a lot. My name uh, at one point was Subhatan. I was the right-hand man of Genghis Khan. Mm. And I saw what my soul and my being was doing in those lives. And I learned that's not the way to live. That's not the way to do it. And then we get out of touch with the soul. And that was what happened to me that day in combat. My soul did that job. I was just a vehicle. I was just the thing that carried it out. But my soul saw it all as it was happening and knew what was coming and where I had to be. And I just went with it. And I've learned that that kind of communication goes on with us constantly. Mm. And most of us humans, because of logic, do not listen to it. We don't listen to the hue part of self. Very few people do. We listen to the form part. And that's not necessarily the best thing that we can do. I hope all of that just made sense. It does make a lot of sense. Um, It's interesting. You've had a recall through all your different meditations of, was it like, a little over 1,100 lifetimes? Yes, 1,176 to be exact. Okay, so, so I'm, okay. And were they all on Earth or were they also in other dimensions, no, realities, no, planets? No. Um, here's how that works. Mm-hmm. No, they were all <clears throat> on this three-dimensional planet Earth. Okay. Yes. Um. Christ said in the Bible that what you do here, you lay up for yourself in heaven. But here's what he meant. Mm. Bungle, we actually have five memories. We have conscious memory. We know about subconscious memory. We know about cellular memory, which is where illness and disease comes from. We know about because athletes use it. Then we have, are you ready for this one? Our DNA in 2004 Two Nobel Prize winning geneticists said that DNA behaves and acts like an ancient memory. Mm-hmm. And then when you read in the book of Revelation, it says, let those with the ability open the seven seals to the book of life. That book of life is you. The seven seals are the seven chakras. Then mm-hmm. once you open those, which is what happened to me that night, everything about you will be made known. Your fifth memory is consciousness or what's known as supermind. We use two mm-hmm. consciously, sort of. And we have the other two and a half or three floating around doing nothing unless you utilize it. Do I use my ancient memories? Yeah, I do. And I'm very aware. Uh, even when I was studying Kung Fu in the monasteries after uh uh, I saw those in the lifetime with Subhatan. It was like those memories of how to do martial arts was right there. And mm. I was showing them things that they had never seen. 
Mm -hmm. but it was part of that knowledge. So we have access to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You asked about alternative realities. They are there mathematically through quantum physics. They can prove it. But here's the deal, what Christ said. If you live a life of brutality and you transition and leave this world, you go into a three-dimensional reality that is that. You digressed. You went backward. Um, and you had to learn to survive. And when you learned that that's not the way or that's not the path, then you would return to this mm -hmm. vibration. And if you do the opposite, the same thing is true. If you live a loving, honest, fulfilling, caring life, you move up the scale into a reality that only has that. Mm -hmm. Our reality is in transition between the two. And this reality is what creates the divine people or not. This reality that we're in, it's not another one. It isn't. Mm -hmm. Here is where we do it. And that's why we come in here. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. So we're the, one that, we're the ones that change it from one to another. Yes. Um, you know, Dr. Harefield, some people believe that the, the Kung Fu lineage of Jedis can be traced back to Zen Tibetan Buddhist monk warrior Bodhidharma. Um, and Bodhidharma was exiled by the king of the dynasty at his time for not adhering to the king's greeds and maintaining his Jedi code of conduct to fight in self-defense and protect the innocent, but ultimately used peaceful means to resolve discord. Now, this is a background for people who aren't familiar with Bodhidharma, but Bodhidharma came across a monastery of out-of-shape scribes, and he taught them his Kung Fu skills, which emulate animals in nature and his philosophy, which he taught to the Shaolin, mon Shaolin monks and to the exiled princess Quan Yin. So that's the folklore of the background of um, Bodhidharma and Kung Fu. Now, we're going to cover some metaphysics in martial arts that Bodhidharma and other Zen masters taught. And if there's any other ones that you want to add in there, please um, do that as well. So the first critical one that many people learn is um, about oneness. So, Dr. Harefield, why is oneness with nature and each other essential as a Jedi? Well, um, if we go back to what I was sharing with you before about the illusion of duality, mm -hmm. um, that idea alone moves out of our natural state, which is oneness. We're all connected by the hue part of us, the energetic part of us. We're connected to what we understand and know. It's kind of like when you feel sad, I know what that is. When you feel elated, I know what that is. You just may handle both of those differently than I do, but I understand them. Mm -hmm. So we are connected to what we feel. Just our bodies are separate. That's all. So in the idea of oneness, even in Kung Fu, when two people are sparring, there's not two people. There's one, and there's one action, and there's one activity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they understand that. I've seen martial arts masters 
spar for 20 or 30 minutes and neither one of them ever touched the other one. I mean, it's crazy to watch. It's like mm-hmm. a dance that they're doing. Um, and no matter what either of the individuals do, the other one is already there. Right. If right. To magnify that somewhat in martial art terms, if you make a move and I'm sparring with you and I react to your move, you've already beaten me. But if I see you move and I act on your move, which is different, I'm not reacting to, I'm acting on. So in other words, if you move to the right, I'm going to move with you. If you move to the left, I'm going to move with you. If you move back, I'm going to move forward. So we're going to stay as one motion. So it's still, it's just one. Anything other than that has its basis in logical understanding. Mm-hmm. Because I see you over there and I'm over here. We're separate. No, that's not true. Only in the physical sense, if you will. Certainly. Mm-hmm. In oneness, you cannot forget and unlearn your past. No, your past is part of you. But the emotional charges and the things you carry around about the past, no. That's where logic comes into play to anchor a person into the illusion of separateness. And that's not true. I hope that answers your question. That that really does, and that kind of that kind of brings um, some core concepts uh, in studying martial arts. So kung fu being the oldest, and then the other martial arts came out of it. But um, it it brings back to the core because a lot of people, when they're trying to be jedi's and they're trying to learn uh, sparring skills and martial arts skills, they 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 focus on the technique so much and the difference between one level to another is how well they can adapt to nature and that's why like bruce lee always said be like water study nature bodhidharma all of his uh techniques taught in the shaolin monastery is to be like nature and when you were describing how sparring is done really really well somebody at the next level if you watch them it's like watching waves in an ocean interact um, pre- predict each other's uh, next f- energy flow and then react to that or go along with it. It's almost like playing chess but on an energetic level. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and so that's why oftentimes most of the martial arts in the highest levels is focusing on nature because the skill sets and the techniques to overcome um, will become from emulating nature. So that's why oneness with nature is so essential. Um, and that right there can pretty much cover hours and hours in books on just that technique, that technique alone. Now, if you, another... If you think about it for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of nature, the strongest thing in the world is flexibility, which is a large key in the natural world. I don't know if you knew it, but a tree would grow on the ground like a vine if there was no such thing as the wind. When that little sapling comes out of the ground, the wind blows and it jiggles back and forth, back and forth. And as it jiggles from the wind, it begins to grow. Mm -hmm. And as it grows, 
It bends more with the wind and always moves with the wind, never against it. And then one day that 500-year-old oak tree says, wind, I bend no more. And the wind says, fine. And the 500-year-old oak tree does go down because it became rigid. And you can take that concept of flexibility and you can apply it to every living thing about you. Uh, it's better just to be flexible with yourself and with life because the moment you become rigid, you will become hurt. So mm -hmm. living in a natural sense is much more productive individually than living in an unnatural sense, which leads me to this thought. In today's world, we live very unnaturally. I mean, think about it. You live in a zone where there are hurricanes and tornadoes and you live in a square house. Sorry, that makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. Because when that wind from that hurricane hits that house, yes, ma'am, mm -hmm. it will tear it down. But if it had a different shape, it wouldn't because the wind could go around it. Right. So we are conditioned to live not naturally we live unnaturally so yeah yeah that's that's so critical and i and i really want people not even if you don't train to be a jedi uh, physically or you try to be a, a trained to be a jedi psychologically just studying nature because what nature does is nature is flexible with energy so you know the wind is energy and so it's sensing the energy that's coming through and it's adapting and moving with the energy of what 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 it's working with so that's why trees sometimes will grow not straight trees will grow curved and you'll find some very fascinating different ways in which it's adapted to um, the energy that is working with to kind of coexist so a really really good jedi is tuned into nature all the time because mm -hmm. nature is projecting energy all the time so mm -hmm. it's almost like you're an energy reader yes yeah so i i love that um so the other thing is why is the middle way of neutrality often recommended as a way to not easily be triggered because this is one of the ways that you can really stump a a, a martial artist is to trigger them you know so why why is it Neutrality, try to center yourself in the battle. If you can really trigger a true martial artist, then I would be impressed. A true one is not going to be triggered. They just aren't. Um, if you take a look at the symbol of yin and yang, it's half black, half white. What a lot of people don't realize is that thin red line down the middle. Buddha always said, take the middle path. Christ said, be single in your purpose. They're saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. What is meant by that is using energy appropriately. If you, that thin red line in the symbol of yin and yang is like a two-edged sword. If you get excited about something, I can promise you, you're going to experience its opposite. 
Mm. And if you and if you experience sadness, you will also experience its opposite. And if you mm. stay on that thin red line or the middle path, you experience what in the Eastern world they called joy or bliss. It's not excitement and it's not sadness. There are many things that I go through day to day. I just as a quick example. My car decided it didn't want to operate. So I had to call a tow truck. It took him three hours, got it to my garage and find out I have to run a car for two weeks uh, mm-hmm. waiting, waiting for a part. And the whole time, and by the way, I get to pick my car up tomorrow. But the whole time, what you're seeing is how I handle it. It was like the Zen of poo. Oh, bother. <laughs> and 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 just go through it anyway. There are things in life that we're going to go through. If you react to something, you're not on the middle path. Mm. You, you've just gotten off of it. Staying on that middle path is the challenge. It's where you are neutral to all things. But it, when you master that as a Jedi, and I mean that in all sincerity, a Jedi would be completely calm and at peace, even in conflict. Mm. Even mm. They're not going to get involved mentally in the conflict because mm. the moment they do, they become rigid and are no longer like the natural world. Mm-hmm. The natural world only takes the middle path if you watch it. Mother Nature, we can learn so much by just sitting with it, being with it, and watching it. It's all single in purpose, every inch of it. And people say, oh, it's about them surviving. No, it's about them being alive and enjoying themselves in their life to the extent that the creature can. Mm -hmm. We humans have a gift, and it's called a brain. But we so misuse that thing that it's turned into our enemy, Because we don't allow the mind to flow naturally like the natural world does. And the middle path will allow you to do just that. And with my car, I never got upset, disappointed, disturbed in any way about any of it. Why? Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do about that. All I can do is do what I can with myself. Mm -hmm. Something I share with a lot of people and have done it said it all over the world. There's always one question every human is faced with in whatever experience that you're going through. The universe is always going to ask you, who are you in this moment? If you're in an argument with a loved one, that's who you are. But you know what's funny? We won't acknowledge that. That's not Mm -hmm. natural. If you are angry, why not just acknowledge it? But here's the funny thing. When you're walking the middle path, you can't even become angry. Mm. Why? Because if you become angry, the truth is you're just being selfish. You're not getting something that you want. If you stay on the middle path, that temptation doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And as, mm-hmm. far as, you, as far as you becoming angry, that also would not happen. So yeah. the, middle, the middle path is where Mother Nature sits, and it's where we can sit. And there's only one thing that will take us off of that middle path, and that is your mind. 
how you yeah. think. I hope that answered your question. It really does. And I love those I, I love those explanations of the middle path. Um because there's so much that can get that we can learn by just kind of calming the mind and calming the triggers that kind of get us emotional about these things that happen in life. And there is a cycle and ebb and flow in life. It's not always consistent. So, but how you react has a lot to do with where you are in that neutrality. So that that, that neutrality, the middle path is just another way, like you said, of perceiving the energy and moving and being flexible with the curves of nature with the waves of the ocean and just kind of going along with it uh this you know the the waves don't fight each other they they work on each other and become a nice big storm so, or and they crash so i you, love that you 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 shared something about becoming calm a jedi is always calm and they never have to become that mm-hmm. they don't that's their natural state. That is every human's natural state is that. And in fact, let's step into Mother Nature for a second. And your idea that you presented earlier of oneness. If everything is connected, then it would make sense that humanity, all of it is directly connected to the weather, which means mm. one is going to have to influence the other. And and because we have, according to all ancient teachings, because we have dominion over all things, we are the predominant effect on the weather. As humanity gets in a turmoil, weather gets in a turmoil. And if you just look back, whenever there's been times when humanity, for the most part, is in upheaval, look at the weather. Mm. It's it's showing you you which is who are you in this and if your response to that question and everything you and i literally mean it everything you experience if your response is i am calm i am myself then you know who you are if you are reacting you don't know that you don't know who you are why because something else is controlling you and you know what's funny You can ask any human, do you like to be controlled? And they would tell you no. But the second they become angered, they are being controlled. Mm -hmm. And that's the weird part about humans. Mm -hmm. A calm mind and a calm being is the center path. And it is doable, I know, firsthand. I learned a long time ago, and I've loved it ever since. I can be facing the greatest levels of turmoil right now. And I am, and remain calm and the whole thing because it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, you know, what is a good way to, speaking of being open minded, what is a good way to be discerning but open minded to new ways to journey through tough lessons in life? So give us some really good tips so that we can be middle grounded and kind of go with nature. Okay. In these t- tough life lessons, like let's say somebody's going through a divorce or they're losing okay. custody or their house burned down or wh- whatever turmoil is in their life path that they're dealing with at that moment. Well, the real turmoil in all of this comes in your own mind. Look, you said it earlier, Ben Gold, and that's that 
the ebb and flow of the tides. Sometimes mm-hmm. the tides in, sometimes it's out. Okay. If you want it in, it doesn't matter how much you want that tide in. It's not coming in. But mm-hmm. you can sit there and you can argue and you can debate and you can do whatever you want and create all sorts of turmoil about it all you want. But it won't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the funny thing. The only thing in our reality that gets in turmoil is the human mind. So when we look at the idea of turmoil, it's not the event. It's your disagreement with the event. Mm -hmm. I didn't agree with what happened with my car. I didn't care for it at all. But you know what? I could have gotten myself all sideways over that if I wanted to, because I rely on my car. We all do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Turmoil? No. Why? Because I already know, as that person, that any turmoil is an illusion. And I don't care what someone says. I've had people say, well, what about if somebody's attacking you? Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I've had people attacking me with weapons. And I wasn't in turmoil. Mm -hmm. I just knew it was either them or myself. And here I stand. Once Mm -hmm. again, why? Because I did not get in turmoil about it mm-hmm. and was not going to. So turmoil, if there's such a thing as illusions, and they are, that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, you feel it, even depression. Uh, I'm supposed to be a manic depressive. Or really? I don't know if I've ever been depressed. And I'm just being honest about it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. I meditate a lot, so maybe that's what's it. Don't know. But the fact is, difficulties in life is all in how you see it. And it always starts with one simple idea. You have something going on that you don't agree with. Okay. Instead of looking at only what you don't agree with, look at how to work through it. Look. There's no such thing really as stumbling blocks. There Mm -hmm. isn't. If you have a goal and you have stumbling blocks that are put in front of you, the stumbling blocks aren't there to teach you. They're there to educate you. If your goal is, as an example, something you've never done, then you don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And that means the stumbling blocks are actually your ally that's going to teach you how to achieve the dream that you're after. If you work with the stumbling blocks, don't avoid them. No. A lot of people will give up their dream. No. Mm -hmm. Let the stumbling blocks teach you. Look, surgeons, bless their hearts, for whatever they're worth, surgeons weren't born to be surgeons. Nobody is born riding a bicycle. I don't care who you are. Even when you think back, you have children, uh, they had to walk at some point. And mm-hmm. did, they, did they just get up and go? That answer is no. They had to learn. They stumbled. The same is true in everyday life, no matter how many years we go through this thing. Mm-hmm. There's always moments that are, um, I use different words. If you ever hear me say I'm fascinated, what I really am is frustrated. But here's why I look at it that way. If you're frustrated, something has your attention. If you're fascinated, something has your attention. But 
being fascinated is a much more positive way to look at it than being frustrated. Because mm. if you're frustrated, you're going to get caught up in it. And if you're yeah, it could be easily triggered. Yes. And if you're fascinated, it's yeah. going to teach you. Why? Because when you're fascinated, you're too busy looking at it. Then you mm-hmm. are fighting it. And when you're looking at it, you're being the Jedi because you're fascinated with your opponent. What's your mm-hmm. opponent? Your opponent mm-hmm. is just your emotions. That's what that is. Your yeah. opponent is your emotions and your mind that's all caught up in the idea of turmoil. No, combat, you could say, is turmoil very literally. Yeah. Was I ever terrified? Yeah. I would be a liar if I said I wasn't. But the whole time, even in my terror, I was very focused on what I was doing. And I'm still sitting here. Do I have those memories of those days? You betcha I do. Do I like those memories? No. Do I dislike those memories? No. And that's the funny thing. When you go through turmoil, you're probably getting the greatest education about yourself that you could ever get. But the ordinary person is caught up in the turmoil. And it's the other person's fault or it's the other situations. It's my soon-to-be ex-wife. It's her fault. Baloney. Why don't people get real when it comes to relationships? Mm-hmm. Nobody can take 100% responsibility in relationships. Nobody. Mm-hmm. 50% is all you can take. Okay. If you would have paid attention in that relationship and attention to your partner and, and their feelings, their thoughts, what they were saying, what happens is we just get used to people. And because we're used to them, we now don't have all that excitement. Okay. A Jedi would. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I know the lady that I'm, I'm with, which I'm not, is a different person than she was yesterday. Mm-hmm. There's going to be slight differences. And I'm always intrigued to see what is the slight difference today than yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. always there. And if you do that, that person is always a new person. And it maintains, mm-hmm. it maintains levels of excitement. Okay. Yeah. So divorce is another aspect of illusion. But remember, you asked about turmoil and difficulties. It's all in how you see it. They're the mm. illusion. They're the illusions in the person's mind. And believe me, I've been through hell and back and, and gotten water and took it back to people that were still in there that didn't want to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So. That kind of reminds me of a, a story in Thailand about the Buddha stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Buddha stone story is there's this uh, temple in Thailand and then there's this stone It's called the Buddha stone and you step on it on your way into the temple to see this big, magnificent Buddha statue that everybody comes in and takes pictures of. Um, but the, the, the Buddha stone and the, the Buddha statue had a conversation and the Buddha stone was envious of the Buddha statue because the Buddha stone was like, why is everybody just step on me? And then they come over here and they glorify you and they're in awe of you. And they just look over me and all this kind of um, talk. And the Buddha statue said to the Buddha stone, well, at first, if you remember, they were going to make the statue out of you, but you fussed and you complain about all the, the sawing and the edging and the softening and all the things that they were doing to try to, chisel you into the buddha statue and so 
you made it you made it so hard you were so rigid that they finally just gave up and just made you the placemat you're the stone they step onto because that was what they could do with you and with me I just went with it I allowed it I tried to soften some parts of my body to make it easier for them to chisel and work with and in when they were done, they made this beautiful shape of me as the Buddha statue. And that is why you're the stone they step on when they come in to look at me. And I hope people get the lesson in that little story you just shared, because that is just absolutely beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So, the, the, so it just comes down to being flexible, I guess, huh? Be the, yeah. tree, be the tree, or as Bruce Lee said, be the water. Come water. Water. Yes. Come so really, really, again, we go back to nature. So how can we use our thoughts to create physical reality? Because physical reality is our nature. Yes. So how do we use our thoughts to create uh, physical reality? And well, Jedi's yeah. can do this. Uh, yeah, we can. And so can you. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's the funny thing. You do. Mm -hmm. Let me, uh, uh, a small analogy. When you have fond memories of a friend you haven't seen in a long time, generally speaking, what happens? I usually I smile and I'm like, I'm like a child again. Well, but do you hear from them? Do you see them? Do you get an email from them? Yeah, sometimes all of the above. Mm -hmm. Okay. You did that. Mm -hmm. You were the one that reached out in your oneness touched them and they all of a sudden had a thought of you and went, well, I wonder what Von Gold's doing. Mm -hmm. And usually when you hear from them, the first thing they say is, is been thinking about you. Mm -hmm. You did that. Mm -hmm. You did that. So when it comes to manifesting, yeah, we do it all the time. Our entire reality is based on what the masses have created is the way they want the reality to be. Now, here's the funny thing. Mm -hmm. You don't need to enter another dimension other than honing your mind into that dimension. Mm. And it becomes that. And I could prove that to you. Mm -hmm. Everybody has had those days where it seems like everything is out of place and everything is just strange, right? Mm hmm well, that's because you're not in this dimension totally, and you're not in the other one totally. You're kind of in between the two. Mm -hmm. So the human mind in the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, this is what you would read. And that document is about 2,500 years old. And this is the gift that creation gave us. The most powerful thing in your reality is a single, single thought. A single thought is greater than the mightiest of earthquakes that open up cracks in the earth. Mm. It's greater than the lightning that cleaves the mighty oak. It can heal the sick, raise the dead. And when you train the mind, it becomes like a cool, soothing stream in the hot summer. That's a huge statement. A single thought is greater mm -hmm. than the greatest of earthquakes and greater than the lightning that splits an oak tree. Wow. I remember one day Master Lobsang asked me in uh, northern India, he said, Stephen, what if what you call your God 
heard every thought that you had and considered that thought a request for that to be your next experience. Would you change the way that you think? And Bangalore, it didn't take me five seconds. And I said, yes, Master, I absolutely would. Mm -hmm. And he laughed and said, good, because that's the simple truth. Mm -hmm. Christ in Matthew 5 says, there is no need to ask the Father for what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. It already knows. So if you yeah. take what the Dead Sea Scrolls said, you take what Lobsang said, and you take what the Bible says, every thought that you produce has the potential of creating something in your reality. If you choose for it to do that, then there's some subtle things that you could change. Never think the word want, never think the word try. Want creates more want and try creates failure. No. Mm -hmm. Buddha originally said it, but it's given to Yoda. It's you either do or you do not. Christ said the same thing. He said it's either yes or it's no. Do not mm -hmm. try. So in manifesting, just know that you are operating from source as source, guided by your mind and one other ingredient what you feel, your emotions mm. about it. Let me give you an analogy of manifesting. I don't care where you look in the entire universe. There are three and three charges only, only three. There's an electrical field or charge. There's a magnetic field or charge. And there's a gravitational field created by the other two. Mm. Your electrical charge is your heart or what you feel. Your magnetic charge is what you think. And if you take those two and put them on one thing and leave it there, it will happen. It has to. Yeah. Why? Go ahead. Yeah. Where, where you focus is what comes next. <laughs> it's where you go. Yes. Where you, so it's very simple. It's not that hard. Here's, here's the funny thing. If you're focused on a thing, and you are afraid of it, it will happen. Yeah. If, you're, if you're focused on a thing and you love the idea, it will happen. So here's the funny thing. Whatever your emotional charge says, the emotional charge is the hue. Go back to the word human. The emotional charge is the hue and man is the form. So you're taking, or your mind. So you're taking your energy putting it in alignment with your mind, mm -hmm. your thoughts, and it'll happen. It'll, it'll be right there. And the better you get at it, the faster it happens. Yeah. Yeah. The universe, the universe knows we're kind of wishy-washy. Yeah. We're, 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 and we're working on it. <laughs> but, but, but if you take the middle path, you wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Would, you know, there would, there would be one thought. Yes. Um, the, the thing that always cut that I, I, I always, uh, enjoy about the topic of the Jedi's, um, in metaphysics is the thing is that you have to get so to, you, you get to the point where you learn this stuff, you know, this stuff, you be this. And when you be this, let's say you're having a battle in your, in your mind or in your, um, psyche or even in your dreams because oftentimes when you go into battle you um 
whatever it is that you're battling with, you'll have dreams about it. And if you are exhibiting these uh, skills in your dreams, that's when you know, you know, and you are being what you are. You don't have to remember it. You don't have to try to, you know, follow the steps. You just do. It's almost like, do you know how to walk? Then just do it. Mm-hmm. So, and you could do it in your dreams. You don't have to go to bed and dream about how to walk in your dreams. You just do it because that is what you are. So it's about integrating these philosophies into your core, into your being, that it has become your nature. Now you are part of nature. So let's talk about the force because this is a, a big one for Jedi. So the force within us is the life force of Christ consciousness through our direct connection to God within. And it depends on willpower. So how can we use willpower, hence our thoughts and emotions, to our advantage when we're kind of in that mini millisecond decision of what move do we do next? <laughs> well, what move we do next depends on what's in front of you. So that one would be hard for us to answer. But understand something. Um, like to not to correct you, but to guide you. A Jedi would never be in conflict. Period. Mm, they just mm. they just wouldn't unless they are faced with an opponent that they cannot get away from. Zins uh, are Mm. some of the world's best healers. And if they realize the only way to heal you is to kill you, they will do that. Knowing that when you incarnate in your next lifetime, you will be healed. So Mm. they did it. Okay. Conflict is an illusion. Now, that source, it's everywhere. I remember one day uh, sitting on a hill overlooking a valley in uh, northern India. And I was doing reflective meditation. Reflective meditation is the simplest form. It's just letting your mind float. Just let it do what it does. But the key is don't engage in what it's thinking about. Just learn to observe it. Mm-hmm. And once you master that, you can direct it. The most people will think something yeah. and they'll do something like, well, why did I think that? That's mm-hmm. silly. You don't need all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But once you get reflective meditation down, and it's real simple. I was sitting on this hill and I was looking out at this little valley. And I just thought to myself, What does God look like? And I continued meditating. I had my eyes closed. And then that little voice inside said, open your eyes and perceive. And I opened my eyes and I looked at the valley. In Van Gogh, I was stunned at what Mm. I saw. It looked like fairies had flown everywhere and it sprinkled all this fairy dust because everything was just glittering and glowing. Mm-hmm. The trees, the vegetation, this bird flew by and it was just kind of like glowing. Mm-hmm. And then I thought to myself, wow, it's all God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all I did in my meditation was ask that question. What do you look like? And it mm-hmm. showed me, which obviously that includes myself and you. Mm-hmm. And the message I I'm sharing in that is we are all already source. We just don't use it. 
Yeah. I have found in my experience that source is the loneliest thing because we believe we've gotten so independent or so separated from source that Christians pray to it. Well, okay, that works. Good. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. much more, it's much more effective to realize that we are always communicating with source. And mm-hmm. source is waiting for us to determine what our experiences are going to be. A single thought on gold can be dangerous mm-hmm. because of what it can do not only to you, but to others. When we look at someone as a child and go, I wish you were dead. We have no idea what we just said to that person. None. Mm -hmm. I mean, what if you said that and somebody died? It's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Well, fortunately, we don't have that authority. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, we do. But I'm not going there because, it, because of what it would do. Right, right. Um, you know, that's a, like I have I have small children and my daughter who is seven, she'll just say things, just blurt it out. And I, you know, just to train her to be more conscious of her thoughts and the way that she expresses things. If she says something like, I really hate that person, I wish they would get her they would get into a car accident or something. And I was like, well, do you want them to die for all days? She's like, no, just for today. But what, but today, but after today, they're going to be alive tomorrow. I was like, no. So you want them to die now? And, you know, and so we'll just go down that whole thing. And she's like, well, I don't want any of that. I'm just mad. I'm like, okay, well then just say you're just upset. You're just yeah. mad because of how they made you feel, but you don't have to go and put out there that you want them to hurt to get hurt because you obviously don't want them to get hurt when you think about it so um so now she has slowly learned to just not say anything negative about anybody Good. and just say i'm just so upset about et cetera, et cetera, because it made me feel and then we work through it and then she goes okay well i understand that i'll just learn to do this a different way so i just you know talking it out especially and we we adults uh, don't talk out our thoughts to to understand. Well, I just said something that doesn't sound like me. Why did I say that? What caused that? Do I really want that to happen? So you know, have those questions for when you say these or think these things out, um, because again, they're signs that you're being triggered. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So every Jedi experiences doubt. Okay. How can we use our uncertainty to our advantage? Oh, that's simple. Oh, by the way, you're teaching your daughter the middle path. Maybe you oh, didn't I know. know. Yeah, okay, good for you. Um, One small lesson at a time. She's seven, so we got time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's an illusion, but yeah, I get you. Yeah. Um, you know what? I have a little bit of difficulty with doubt because even if I'm doing something that I have never done, I, to this day, I don't doubt. I just pay attention mm-hmm. to, what I'm, to what it is I'm doing, where I'm attempting to go, and what I'm attempting to accomplish. My, uh, when I was in a relationship, she used to bring me these little fine necklaces, mm-hmm. gold chain necklaces that you ladies wear. Mm-hmm. She'd say, Stephen, I have a knot in this. Can you get it out? And the first thing I would always do 
is just lay the necklace out in front of me and I would sit there and just look at the knot. Having no emotion, no doubt, no question. What I'm doing is observing and understanding what I'm looking at. And when I see how the knot is formed, then I will get it out. I may need a safety pin to get in there to start it. But I can honestly sit here and say I've gotten 100% of all of her jewelry unknotted. Now, I'm doing something that I have no idea what I'm doing, but there's never any level of doubt. Now, Mm -hmm. when a Jedi starts, any human, be a Jedi with your own head and learn to remove anything in there that you do not prefer because it is yours and it's what makes you you. Let me give you an analogy about something. If there's a person that is insecure about themselves, I can make you all a promise. Every relationship that they find, whether it's friends or love, they're going to be shown their insecurity. In other words, Mm -hmm. that person is going to make them feel insecure. Why? So they get over it. So Mm -hmm. in answer to your question, when it comes to doubt, and I remember when I first began, Mm -hmm. I... I realized today my doubt was there because of finite view of me. And through learning that I'm as finite as I choose, I, there's no longer doubt. There just isn't. I have no idea what that is mm-hmm. today. But in learning, yeah, it's a natural part of process. But don't see doubt as something negative. No, it's your teacher. Because there's only one place that doubt sits, and that's in your mind. Nowhere else does it sit. So the next question becomes, what is my doubt showing me? You used the word why. And my suggestion for you, and I mean this literally, and for anybody that listens to the show, never ask yourself, why am I feeling this? Why Mm -hmm. am I thinking that? Why am I continually experiencing this? Here's what happens. Promise you two things. One, the first thing that's going to happen is what you're going through. What you're going through is going to continue because it has to. Why? Mm. Because your logic wants to figure it out. So it has to continue. The second thing that's going to take place is your mind is going to become extremely busy. Anytime you ask yourself why on whatever, why am I feeling Mm -hmm. this? Just watch what happens. Mm -hmm. Change it. Change it to what am I being shown? There's a world world of difference. Yeah. If you ask what, logic can't become involved. So in other words, you're not going to start thinking about it because logic can't answer what. The second thing. Whatever is going on, whether it's in your emotions or inexperience, it has to show the reason it's there. It Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. And it ends really quickly if you ask what instead of why. Mm. I like that. I like that. And you know what? Um, that just remind that that reminds me of my kid my kids um, in terms of communication 
and it's so elemental and so simple. Um, so my four-year-old has a hard time of complex issues trying to explain things, and so does my seven-year-old. But um, my seven-year-old has gotten used to okay, just show me, show me, don't try to explain, just show me. Mm -hmm. And my four-year-old has gotten used to the show me, just show me, and so he'll take my hand and walk me to whatever it is. And then he'll just be like, ah, and and, and, okay. and I would look and, and, and he would show me what it is that he is trying to communicate to me. So I'm like, oh, okay, is it this, is it this, mm -hmm. is, is it that? So that's what you're saying is with, when it comes to, um, our experience, our doubts, and our fears, instead of asking why, just say, show me. What is it what, do you want me to see? What what information should be revealed? Okay. What, what are you showing me? By the way, your four-year-old is actually extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. His mind just operates faster than his mouth, and I could make you a promise. They're probably going to tell you that he's ADD or HDAD, and he's none of those. Mm -mm. He just has a real huge IQ. He gets bored easy, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a sign of high IQ. So in other words, he has to have something that keeps his attention. So whatever you're doing or saying, make sure you have his attention, that his mind is where you are. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you will train him to be a Jedi automatically because you're helping him train his mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can use words like, honey, focus your mind. What is it thinking? And Feel then focus. And, and yes. And then ask him to share. Just tell me what's on your mind. What's there and watch. You will, yeah. you, you will be subconsciously helping him his mind is in warp drive. Yours and my mind, we're an impulse power. Mm -hmm. so he, he is already by you on what you're saying because language is too slow for him. Mm -hmm. Okay. So these are just little ideas that you could play with and make a game out of it, which will actually help him. Oh, I hope all the parents are listening to this one. Yeah, well, That's by, really by, good. Yeah. By the way, I personally went through that. Uh, I used to stammer when I was a kid. My dad told me it was stupid and I get in college and I find out my IQ is over 150, but I just didn't know how to put it into words. Mm -hmm. my, my brain was already ahead of what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and then once they taught me that now speaking is a walk in the park. Yeah. You know, um, I'm really open minded to whatever is going to, to, to come forward. I try to kind of move of nature as best as I can, but that's funny that you said that because my son, he's four now, but when he was a year and a half and he was, you know, kind of running around, um, I would come down the stairs thinking in my head, it's time to take a bath. And the minute I think it's time to take a bath and I open my mouth and I said, Richard, it's time. All of a sudden I can hear him pitter patter running across the house jump jumping scaling the um the uh the toys the, the big toys jumping over that running over jumping oh it's what did he do it was so funny it was a year and a half i thought that immediately he started running he jumped over a big toy he jumped on the horsey toy he scaled the couch there was a blanket on the couch he grabbed the couch rolled over on the couch went to the ground put the blanket over his forehead <laughs> it was like 
He didn't like, want. He he did not want the bath. He did not want the bath, but I was like, "What did I do? What kind of Jedi mind trick did I just watch a one and a half year old do? He literally did all these kung fu moves. It was so great, and it was funny because he like rolled off the couch, and then scaled down flat, wrapped red right over his forehead. He went across the house that way. It was just super funny, and I've seen him do that too. Where I'm, where where um. I would tell him, um, no, we don't have any more candy. And then he would go to the spots where they're usually, he's seen me have candy before. And he did this when, again, at two, he would scale the top of the, the refrigerator. And then without stepping on anything, just walk across with his hands, like on, on the top of the fridge, looking on top and shuffling through to see where the candy is, where, where the toy is. And of course he found a piece. I was like, oh, I gotta find a new hiding place. Because uh, you just know where I put stuff, but it was just, it was really funny because he's doing parquet at two. So I don't think I'm going to have to really teach him or I can probably, we have a martial artist. Guide him. Well, he needs guidance and he needs the Jedi principles because the martial arts, I think, is going to, the Kung Fu is going to come naturally. And I'm here in Seattle, Washington, and um, Bruce Lee's um sensei one of his senseis lives not far from where i am and i am a co-worker of uh, one of his his students and he teaches at his home mm -hmm. invitation only and the, the invitation has been extended that they would teach my son if i am willing to now we'll see if that sensei oh. is still alive at that point but well, i don't yes. think that he's going to need a lot of training besides why, why don't you start him now yeah, the earlier you started, the easier it'll be for him in the long run, and it would help. I think his so. Mind. Anyway, I, it would help his mind. So I, I think so. Um, so yeah, we're we're planning to get him into kung fu, and then just kind of because he needs the physical activity. Mm -hmm. He's he, more than anything else at this point. Okay, so kung, getting kung, kung fu is more than just physical activity; it's mind too. Right. So we'll we'll work on all aspects. Um, okay, so that brings us to another question. Why is meditation essential to recalibrate the Jedi with Source or Yahweh? Um, I, I'm an avid meditator, and I meditate at a minimum an hour every day. I've uh, been doing it ever since being a monk, and I know 146, 176, excuse me, different techniques on meditation. Um, it's about training the mind, really. Meditation is simple. We do it, and most people aren't aware of it. As an example, if you're walking and you're focused only on walking, you're meditating. If you are driving and you're focused only on driving, you are meditating. If you are practicing breathing techniques and you're focused on your breath and breathing, you are meditating. And that's the simplest form of meditation to do. And in fact, my suggestion, even for those people that say, my mind is too busy, I can't do it. A Zen would say to you, wonderful, sit down and meditate more. Mm. Uh, which on the surface, that makes no sense. But yes, it does. Your mind is like a wild animal. And it's used to just going and roaming wherever. If you really think about it, your mind is your, it's the writer, the actor, the director, mm -hmm. the producer of your own play. And yet you don't even have any idea what it's doing. 
Meditation will help you with that. Meditation is about, you know, the average human, according to psychology, has about 2,500 thoughts a minute. I think I run with about three or four <clears throat> is all. I mean, really, because uh, there's nothing to think about. There really isn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by not thinking, you're living with the natural world and you're sensing and feeling it, which makes it even that much greater. Mm -hmm. But meditation is not complex and there's no need to make it to be. If you mm -hmm. just sit down and focus on your breath and breathing and make sure you inhale through your nose and exhale out your mouth. In fact, anybody out there that experiences anxiety, first thing you do when you feel anxiety coming on, focus on your breath. Keep it even, keep it steady. And if you're focused on your breath, your mind can't play games. It has to focus on your breath and your breathing. It has to. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of training the mind for you busy mental people. No, do the same thing because your mind cannot do anything if you're truly focused on your breath and breathing. And when you're doing it, breathe deeply. Inhale deeply, fill your lungs up through your nose, and then exhale slowly. Don't exhale any faster than your inhale. Just don't do it. And you will find calmness enters your mind. Think about something. No human on the planet. Think about yourself on gold. Anytime you've been angry at somebody and after the anger is over, you're always breathing faster, mm -hmm. right? Okay. But guess what would happen if the first thing you did was focus on keeping your breath slow and even? You couldn't get angry. Mm -hmm. There is mm -hmm. no way. Okay. Uh, there's different types of breaths for people with asthma that it'll cure mm -hmm. asthma. Yeah, I said that. And it's been proven. So breath is probably the simplest of all meditations to do. Yep. Is that. And then the second one, which is my favorite, and I do it mostly, is reflective meditation. Mm -hmm. And I suggested that earlier. Just let your mind roam. Don't engage in your thoughts. Just don't. let, let Just let yourself think. Don't entertain them. And if you don't entertain them, I can make you a promise. Your mind will stop thinking because you aren't giving it anything to think about. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't giving it anything to think about, then it has nothing to think. I remember one day I was meditating in India and I've been going for, I don't remember how long now, it was quite a bit before an act of American mind. And I kind of uttered at a soft whisper, I said, wow. I have no thought. And then I heard Lobsang say, Stephen, that's a thought. And I went, yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's when I was getting the gist of freeing my mind from thinking. Mm -hmm. And you don't need a, a master. You don't need a monk sitting there, even though mm -hmm. I could help you. It's just if you work with yourself, because ultimately that's what you have to work with is yourself you there's an old saying that says that when the student is ready the teacher will come well that has two meanings one can be a person like myself or Vargold, or it can be the dalai lama or 
the deeper meaning means when you are ready to listen to your divine source, your soul self, whatever it is that you wish to term it, then your body becomes the student and your divine self becomes your teacher. Mm -hmm. and, through, and through meditation, it will speed that up because you will learn to recognize physical thought versus divine mind. And we all have it. Our brains are just like that symbol of yin and yang. Mm -hmm. There's a dark side, which is logic, and a light side, which is your right brain. That's the divine nature. Right. Let me ask you about that. Um, so when you are... Uh connecting to source you're connecting to source you're emptying your mind um that's a once you get to that point where you basically have no thought you can focus on whatever you want to experience whoever you want to talk to let's say you're working on mm, perfecting some kung fu um your kung fu skills mm -hmm. um whatever aspect it is that you're working on and it's not all physical and you want a master like let's say Bodhidharma. You want Bodhidharma to teach you a lesson. Mm -hmm. When you're in that thought, you can pretty much, because since we're all connected, you can ask anybody in existence to come into your mm -hmm. your space and teach you. So if you you don't have to go and seek out the mm -hmm. guru, the master, no. go fly somewhere. No. You could do it no. through thought, through a mind yeah. meld like that. Yeah. If, if you remember, I talked earlier about five memories. Mm -hmm. Your fifth memory is consciousness. That's where you would find Bodhidharma. That's where you would find Nikola Tesla. That's where you would find Einstein, mm -hmm. Socrates, whoever. And you do literally link to their consciousness because that's still alive. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Bodhidharma could indeed teach you. Now, getting your logic out of the way is what's going to hurt you because after yeah. it does, you're going to stand and go, wow, where did I get that? from you asked for it and it was given to you and now mm -hmm. you're gonna now you're gonna turn around and question it don't yeah. undo yourself yeah no you you said something earlier and that was that when you connect to source excuse me a second we are always connected to source mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you cannot get away from it and you are always connected to divine mind right. and you're always connected to a bruce lee a bodhidharma or a buddha or a christ Mm -hmm. You always are. All you have to do is ask a question. Focus. Focus. Yes. And ask a question to that entity. And then, right. and then watch your mind. They don't have vocal cords, so they're not going to like, hey, dude, you do it like this. It's not going to happen like uh -uh. that. It takes place in your mind. And then that, the analogy that you that you presented, Bodhidharma would actually take take over your body, and it would mm -hmm. show it would show you. You would feel the energy of what yep. it would feel like. You're like, oh, well, this is some interesting yes. moves, and <laughs> this yes. is not my normal. But you know, you're yes. just going, you're no, you're, no, you're no, going you going with the energy. No, no, you keep that out of it. You don't put in. That's not my normal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but that's the Jedi thing right there. I'm just yeah. to show you. Those are thoughts that don't belong. If you're connected to source, it's those thoughts which will unplug you from it. Mm, because it's, it's, yeah. your, it's your mind ultimately that makes that connection. And if you disconnect, it's just because of what you're thinking. Right. So we so that that's really good uh 
reminder that when you clear, you do the meditation, you clear your mind, then you do the focus on whoever you want to connect to to get whatever information, knowledge. It's mm-hmm. going to come through like energy yes. through you, yeah. and and you're going to feel that knowledge. You're going to feel that wisdom. You're going to feel that knowing. You'll you'll, you'll know it. You'll get that lesson, yeah. Yeah. Well, but one day, one day. Don't question it. Just let go with the yeah. flow. Don't okay. question it. One day, I asked the universe. I was in meditation, and then uh, we're at our time. But I asked from an energetic perspective, how is the universe put together? And Von Gold, it showed me in a vision, and it talked to me about each layer of energy and what it did. I can explain it but not in 30 seconds or less, because once you're given that knowledge, it stays with you. That's the other thing. You don't forget it. So when Bodhidharma teaches you the move, it is now done. You will always know that move, always. Yeah. And you'll be able to use it. So Dr. Harefield, the Jedi, Yeshua ben Yosef, once said, even the least among you that believe in me shall do these things and more. Now, the sacred journey of the Jedi will take you through swampy terrain, but it is your direct connection to Christ consciousness within that will determine how strong the force is inside you. So according to George Lucas, the force really doesn't have anything to do with a lightsaber. Anybody can have a lightsaber. It's just a weapon like a pistol. So can you explain what is Christ consciousness and how do we harness it all the time in our everyday lives? Well, I'm not going to be able to do that in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great question. The first thing is to realize that level of consciousness is already there. That you are the one that's avoiding it. I found in my experience working with people People are more of, more afraid of operating from an infinite mind than they are a finite mind. Mm-hmm. An infinite mind means you know that you're the drop of water in the ocean, but you're still the ocean, but the drop maintains itself. That's not a simple thing to do. So the Christ mind is already present. It's just the matter of your belief. And I know what Christ said when he said, they that believe in me shall be able to do these and greater. But it's the word belief that has been changed. Mm. Actually, what he said was those that follow this path will be able to do these things and greater things may you do. The belief thing is a religious thing. But if you use the word belief, belief in the ability, Christ was the living example along with Buddha and many others, which I could name, of what we ourselves can become on mm-hmm. our own. And you're right. You have to travel travel through the swamp of yourself <coughs> into a space of implicit acceptance. Now, hear me on that. Implicit acceptance means you accept your perfection from the source is gifted and you live in that space and you never doubt and or question it. of self-acceptance will take you right to it. Mm. There there you go. I like that. And so for more of this wonderful wisdom to perfect your Jedi abilities, uh, people can learn more on the website, but you're starting a foundation, IAOM, and then you also on your website have the webinar series for a full shift of reality. Do you want to speak to those two 
well, aspects I, that, that you're pursuing? That, that would take a lot of time. I do, I do teach uh, Zoom class, uh, basically Monk 101, but it's about the power of observation and the proper use of awareness is what we're doing. Uh, but I teach those quite often on Zoom. Uh, and that's how I'm attempting to reach the masses. And in this class, I've got people from Australia, Germany. The ones in Germany are up pretty late, but they're consistent. It's worth and, it. You are recording it so people can download it and, and they can watch it later on, right? Um, well, I'm not the producer, the gal in Georgia who's doing it. Yeah, she's... she's uh, Recording it and saving yeah. the files. Okay, oh, good, good. Yeah. It's like the one time and we lost it. Okay, well, do you have a last message for the Jedis of the fifth dimension? No, just learn to be aware of your own selves. And I would like to leave you with this thought. If you're going to operate in a fifth dimension, your three-dimensional thought forms is not going to help you. Your mm -hmm. three-dimensional thought forms keeps you in three dimensions. Learn to expand Five-dimensional thought form is more based in awareness than it is hard, fast thought. Groom yourself to awareness and then awaken to the divine that you have within. Von Galt, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again. Yes. And for more information about all of his resource resources, go to hairfield.com. And thank you kindly again for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Namaste. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.